So the scriptures here in Romans chapter 8 have encouraged us to compare or rather contrast the suffering we go through with the glory that we're going to share with Christ for eternity. And when we learn that comparison or rather contrast, uh, suffering becomes more tolerable and we understand that there is a great outcome to all our trials and struggles. That's the good news of chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. We also learn, of course, that Christ has entered into our sufferings. God himself, in the person of Christ, has come to the world, has suffered with us, has died on the cross, been rejected by humanity, and here we are knowing that he has experienced all our sufferings in himself. In addition to that, we enter into Christ's sufferings and God's sufferings. Paul says uh, on a number of occasions that he wants to share in Christ's sufferings. Because, you know, for God to create a world knowing that it would fall and that it would take his whole um, energy and more than energy, what am I trying to say here? He would take It would take all his passion and compassion to redeem it. That is a suffering experience. And then Paul comes up with this beautiful message for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, what's that all about? Let's read a little further to get some more connection. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Wow, what is this all about? Well, of course, remember the fall. Remember that Adam and Eve brought intense sorrow upon the world and upon themselves by their departure from God, and the result was the kingdom of sin and death. Adam hid from God, Adam and Eve did. They hid from God when they heard him come to visit them. They uh, were afraid that he would kill them. They had a totally different view now of God, a distorted, contorted view that he was the killer when he actually was the giver of life. It was sin that had killed. And they were filled with guilt and shame and fear. This is the creation now that has followed from that fall. And the creation, now listen to this, is groaning. The whole creation. You know, I used to think that these uh, verses simply meant that the trees and the flowers and the sky and the seas and the mountains and the animals were all groaning. But it includes everything, all humanity, the whole creation. The whole creation is groaning. If only people knew what that groaning was. We get tired, we get bored, we get lonely, we get angry, we get depressed, we get anxious. 
all of these emotions fill our minds and hearts, and especially the hearts and minds of uh, people who do not know Christ, and they wonder what it's all about, these emotions. And they can't explain them, so they take antidepressants. I think it's estimated that there are 40 million. I'm sure it must be more than that now. This is a a statistic I learned years ago. 40 million people taking antidepressants in the United States. Because they can't understand how to deal with those emotions because they don't know where those emotions come from. That depression, that loneliness, that isolation, that sense of meaninglessness. Well, it comes from the fall. It comes from a deep-seated sense of separation from our Creator, from the one who, who made our souls, from the one who is our God and Father and Redeemer. And so, you see, the creation groans, but it doesn't know what it's groaning about. But look what it says in verse 22 a little further. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. With birth pangs. You see, the original uh, Greek there is with pains. But it's the pain, a special word applying to the labor pains of a woman who is about to give birth. Now, you remember when the disciples asked Jesus when would the, um, the, uh, the, re- the kingdom be returned, restored? When would all these things be? And he described ver- various th- things that would happen, earthquakes and famines and all of that, and wars and rumors of wars. And he said, these are the beginnings of sorrows. And that word sorrows is this same word here for a woman in pain, over the coming birth. So this is astonishing. What the world is groaning about, and it doesn't know it, is that it is waiting for itself to be reborn, to for the kingdom to come. It is an unconscious pain that has not been identified by the world, and therefore it takes antidepressants and all other kinds of uh, uh, um, uh, mood-altering drugs to resolve its problem, when if it could learn, if it only could learn the truth of the gospel, the truth of the creation, the truth of the fall, the truth of our separation from God so that we have an ache within us over the emptiness of our souls— If it could only learn that and then learn that as we put faith in Jesus Christ, the Spirit uh, gives us that faith and enters into us to give us a comfort, an assurance that we have an eternity with God, that the sufferings of this world cannot be compared or even contrasted with the glory that is to come to us. But we... We Christians know by grace. We know this not because we're better or more intelligent or more knowledgeable, but because God has revealed it to us as he will reveal it to everyone. What do we know? We know that our pain has a divine origin, that our pain isn't simply physical or mental or uh, uh, emotional ill health. It is not simply something that cannot be defined. It is very specifically defined by the Word of God. 
we have an, eter- an internal pain that originates from our separation from God. But you say, Colin, I'm not separated from God anymore. I'm in Christ. I'm with Christ. I have fellowship with him, but I still feel that pain. Yes, because we live in two natures. We still carry about the body and mind that belongs to the kingdom of Adam, the kingdom of sin and death. But that kingdom and that sin and death is no longer charged as ours, so we don't let it condemn us because we now live in the kingdom of Christ by faith. But there is that residual vestige of the kingdom of Adam dwelling in us. And we can say, Father, I'm still groaning within, but now I know where it belongs. I know because I have faith in you that the pain that I have within is the pain of waiting to be reborn. The world has that pain, as I say, but it doesn't know because it isn't converted and hasn't the faith that is given by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't know the origin of that pain, but we do. So you want to thank God, you see, for that pain. So going back to verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. You see, that pain is an eager expectation. It's, it waits every day for it. We wake up in the morning and we fee- don't feel like facing the day, but then we remember we are children of the King. We have been adopted as sons and daughters of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. We have an eager expectation of our redemption. We are waiting for our adoption as sons and daughters of God. That um, adoption is already ours in the Spirit, but we're waiting for its full physical manifestation at the coming of Christ. What a wonderful thing this is. You see, once you can identify your pain, it's 90% dealt with. I'm telling you, it is the, the, the mystery and the fog of confusion over emotional pain that makes us afraid of it. But now we know, don't we? So go to Romans 8, verses 18 to 23 to understand yourself more. The earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits, eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And then Paul says, for the creation was subjected to futility. Now that, what does that mean? Well, remember that the word futility means purposelessness, meaninglessness. The creation was subjected to meaninglessness at the curse, at the fall. When Adam and Eve separated from God, God put the creation under a curse. Why? Not because he hated us, but because he had to help us to see that separated from God, life is meaningless. Separated from God, creation does not produce what it's supposed to do. All this flourishing glory that is meant uh, that it is meant to do we get uh, vestiges of it we plant a seed of tomatoes and lo and behold there are scores of tomatoes later on we plant an apple seed and we get all these wonderful apples in our orchard if we had an orchard you see there is a remnant 
uh, there, there is a vestige of evidence uh, of this wonderful, glorious creation, but the tomatoes rot, and so do the apples, and the, on it goes in this creation, because God wants us to see that creation is futile. It is purposeless without the Creator and Savior that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, that is, the creation was, didn't willingly subject itself. It was not willing for it, but God created, uh, subjected it. Why? In order to produce hope in us, because it says in verse 20, but uh, let's read verse 20, uh, whole of, uh, the whole of it again. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Ah, you see, the creation was subjected to the curse so that God could put within us the spirit of hope, the faith that had hope of a new creation. When Jesus comes into the picture, all the curses turn into blessings because God has his intention of giving us the best of everything. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. Colin Cook here and How It Happens. You are hearing this program possibly on the radio. If you're on the uh, uh, your smartphone, the radio is KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states at 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning. But if you're on the radio and you'd like to hear it on your smartphone, simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com and key in How It Happens with Colin Cook when you get there. And if you'd like to make a donation, you can do so online. Please do so. It helps the program to keep going. FaithQuestRadio.com. And you can also make the donation by mail at FaithQuest PO Box 366, Littleton, Colorado 80160. Thanks so much. See you next time. Cheerio and God bless.